Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Welcome back. It's it's another Thanks. week. Yeah, man. it is another week. Yeah, and so we uh, I wasn't able to be here last week. I was actually working. I didn't end up actually going to Montreal, but um, was last we week, had week you went? Yeah, or, well, when we were supposed to go, yeah, but then we ended up uh, kind of very last minute hearing from the breeder that our dog was ready. So oh. we were planning on going to Montreal, and then we found out um, uh, just a couple days before we were supposed to leave that we had to go pick her up on Friday morning. So, like, well, can't exactly go to Montreal on Thursday if we're going to have to get our dog on Friday morning. So we kind of spent the week scrambling a little bit, trying to get ready because we weren't, uh, like... We were we knew we were getting her, mm -hmm. but we had no idea on the time frame because the breeder was like we for those of you who don't know, we ended up adopting a mom from a breeder. So she had her litters and then we we adopted her afterwards. Mm -hmm. And so I think the breeder was like preoccupied with like the puppies <laughs> and like getting them into their homes and stuff. And then she was like, Oh, right. Yeah. By the way, your dog's ready to go home. <laughs> we were like, no. um, okay. <laughs> so it was a little bit of a panic last week and I was still working. I did still have to work dream hack. So mm -hmm. I, I still worked, but I just, I got to work from home. Thankfully they were understanding, but uh, yeah, last week was insane. <laughs> For some reason it's really weird. And I think it's just this past week, the days have sort of blended together. It's been a busy week. So I completely forgot. Yeah, like we had, uh, so I want to thank Jim for being on the show last week. I did not forget, Jim, if you're listening to this, don't read into it. It's just me being really busy. Uh, but we we talked about a lot of uh, fun uh, anime-influenced uh, type of games, and uh, I think we're going to do the complete opposite tonight. But <laughs> had a lot of fun with Jim last week. It was great to catch up. I think we ended up talking for like, maybe three hours and only like an hour and 45 <laughs> minutes of it was recorded. So it was good to catch up. But yeah, uh, Jim yeah. is an absolutely amazing guest. Uh, Jim, thank you so much for filling in because uh, he just, he is so aware of so many like genres and, and indie titles and stuff that just fly totally under my radar. So I find every time I talk to him and he's like, Oh, I've been playing this game. And I'm like, I have legit never heard of that. What is this? <laughs> So well, thanks to him so much for, for filling in. Yeah, no, well, he finally got me to play Persona 5, which it feels like forever ago I was on vacation playing Persona 5, uh, but that happened. And <laughs> I got him playing Fire Emblem Three Houses. So it was kind of a, it was kind of a cool full circle episode where we, we talked a lot about that, but uh, I'm glad you're back. Uh, I'm glad the dog is, is, uh, what, sorry, have you announced the name? I, I, I just called it dog. Can I just call it? Oh. <laughs> it's a her, right? We just, it is a, a her. Mother. Yeah. She's, mother, she's yeah. a mom. Yeah. So, uh, yes, it is. It is a her. Yeah. Her name is Lexus and, oh, okay. uh, She's actually the mother of my parents' dog, whose name is Tesla. So they're Lex and Tess <laughs> because I I find it just so like pretentious calling a dog Lexus. But I mean, it's it's kind of funny because when I got when I adopted Thrall, I I changed his name obviously, and it's just like cats. It doesn't really matter, but dogs like it, it really does matter. Like dogs know their name, they respond yes. to their name, they come when they're called and stuff like that. So I feel like I can't really change her name. So yeah, we're air quotes stuck <laughs> with alexis but her, we we call her lex <laughs> oh well there you go slowly you can change it and then it'll be yeah it'll be lex <laughs> and tex and then when they're together you can call them lex tex so tex mags i don't know like you can, 
having some fun there. But I, I think Ryan it's, names things. Yeah, no, you gotta you gotta keep it rhyming. Why do you think my my kids have such unique names? It's because I I had no uh, no re- I had to say, but I didn't have final veto power. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's really good. I'm glad that the the new the new house uh, resident is is settling in and. And Montreal, well, Montreal did well, even though you weren't there. Yes, but you were, yeah, you even were though I didn't actually get to go, uh, yeah, Montreal did go very well. Cool. Uh, it was the final Rocket League Pro Circuit of the year for DreamHack, so it was really fun for me to work. The, I, they do such a good job, and I, I know, it, I, I guess I'm probably biased, but I was a little worried uh, when I first switched over from Hearthstone to Rocket League because Rocket League is... Uh, it's like simple to understand, but very, very difficult to master. So I was kind of like, oh man, like I'm totally new esport, a mm-hmm. scene I haven't really followed. And it has been, it's been a really busy, really tough year. But Rocket League is really, really fun and exciting to watch. Like there's cars flying all over the place and things exploding and, and amazing shots and goals and things. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just, it's a, and short games, right? Five minute games makes just everything that much more exciting. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a really, really good weekend. I had a great time and uh, I'm glad that Jim was able to, to help me out a little bit by, by covering off a little bit of time off for us to get ready for our pup and uh for me to work all weekend so yeah thank you so much jim that was uh really really kind of you um but one thing i did get to do last week uh before all the craziness happened was uh josh and i and if you guys haven't uh checked this out you should go the vods up on my twitch channel but we played through man of medan and it was a lot shorter than i thought it was going to be we we went start to finish in about three hours so it was much, much, much faster than I thought it was going to be, which was kind of cool. But at the same time, I was kind of like, huh. Although we did play co-op, which means I think it's also very replayable. Because you're playing Man of Medan as well, but you're playing single player, right? Yeah, I'm playing by myself. Uh, although I'll just call it solo. It sounds really, really sad when I'm saying I'm playing by myself. But uh, <laughs> it, it's, uh, yeah, no, I feel like it's a bit longer. Although my sense of time with this game has been weird because I've been playing it pretty much off and on for the last two weeks. And... It is odd that it would be a three-hour game in the sense that I know it's a discounted title, but like 45 bucks, right? $45 is correct of how much it would cost? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, that seems uh, seems kind of steep for three hours in my mind. Yeah, so they're making a whole bunch of these anthology titles. I believe there's going to be seven altogether, and I will say the actual like quality of the story is really, really good. They did a good job of kind of giving you all the information that you needed to solve the mystery without smacking you in the face with it. It's the kind of thing where I, f- I spent the whole time thinking like, okay, I think I know what's happening, but maybe not. And it was a, it was a really cool kind of experience because again, like I say, I, I, pr- I had a pretty good idea, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure right until the very end of the game. And then I was like, Oh, okay. I was right. But it wasn't like the, the kind of disappointment, feeling it was like a validation of like yes you paid attention to the right things which i thought was uh really well done and something that i think this developer does a really good job of because i i felt similarly in until dawn yeah they did so far from what i've played and no i haven't finished it i'm 
I think yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to tiptoe around spoilers because yeah, you haven't finished it yet. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe you know we we talked you know earlier today about doing maybe like a post show like ten minute conversation once I have finished it. I'm I'm about I'd say I feel like based on our conversations about two thirds of the way through in that. Um, yeah. So and and it feels like in the in the in the game, it's leading you down the path of yes, you you should have enough information to kind of start to piece together what may be happening uh, in in the scenario here. And I feel like if you look at Until Dawn, which was a, a take on slasher and and traditional horror films, it feels like Man and Medan is a take on the two thousands. Uh, horror films uh, or whenever the ring came out like it feels very much like those like sort of haunty ghost type stories if that makes any sense haunty is not a word it may be a pokemon <laughs> but it's probably not i think haunter is a pokemon i i always i see that's the funny thing is i always nicknamed my haunter haunty so <laughs> anyways i just i really like what they're doing with the story in this one because i went into it thinking like oh this is gonna be a slasher story this feels like this is until dawn it feels very much like until dawn and then you get into it and it's clearly it's clearly not and they treat all their characters with this like respect unlike some horror films that pointed a certain character like no you're gonna be the one that dies first you're you know the alcoholic uh you're the guy who tries to sleep with everyone and then they 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 pinhole everybody but in this one i feel like they they set up some of those character arcs, but they don't they don't immediately lean on them, right? Because you can well, kind of yeah, control your like, characters. Exactly. And you feel like you're you're given true choice. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this echoes a lot of what happened in Until Dawn as well, in that, you know, your characters can die. People who you think are your super main characters can die. All of them can die. Mm -hmm. And that makes things very interesting. They also, in this case, have given you what they've called a moral compass, which means that the decisions that you make and the way that you answer things and the way that you interact kind of cascades throughout the game and gives your character a personality and unlocks different options. And, you know, like the way that you, it's, it's the very, very much like the so-and-so will remember that <laughs> style of game, but it actually like comes to fruition and things are different even in like the prologue of how things happen is like you can influence stuff going on and and how that prologue ends, which seems so crazy to me because like Josh and I played it through one way and it ended up playing out differently than one of the YouTube videos that I had watched. So I was just like, how it, did they manage to do this in the space of like five or six different interactions between these two characters mm -hmm. and somehow the ending like plays out differently. So I just like, I don't know. I thought it was so freaking cool. Yeah. Um, so that is that's the one major difference between my playthrough and your playthrough is that mine I did co-op and yours you did single player and this is one of the big questions that we had when we first started looking at Man of Madame because until dawn obviously it was a single player experience it was longer and uh you just kind of you just sat down and you controlled one character after another and I think from what you've kind of described Ryan that style is basically how Man of Medan plays out as well, is that you play all the characters all the way through. Mm -hmm. It's pretty linear in the sense that you're playing, You, I, I feel like you're, 
and and I never really it never really clicked for me because I I knew you could play co-op and to, in my mind I just assumed co-op I didn't know what co-op was and I never really delved too much into it while I was playing solo so while I'm playing solo and you mentioned like oh yeah I probably played half the story I'm thinking to myself like oh wait that makes perfect sense because the game has a very strong portion of the game sees these in my playthrough four four players sort of branch out into two separate groups through um scenarios we'll say and then you go back and forth jumping between the groups and then jumping between the characters in those groups so i'm right now i'm curious about how it's split like is it split by the groups or is it split by the care and this is assuming we both played a similar uh story playthrough because i don't know how different it is really yeah exactly so so essentially the the way that it worked for josh and i when we played through is we chose a starter character and then that was like the side of the story that we played through. So okay. in the prologue, there are two characters, right? So um, I think there's like, I think it's Joe and Charlie maybe, or I think so. Anyways, we'll call them Joe and Charlie. Cause I can't remember their names off the top of my head because I'm really bad at remembering names. So you pick either Joe or Charlie and then you play that side of the story. So like, Joe goes to the fortune teller first. This is the prologue, so I don't count this as spoilers. No, this is fine. Joe, yeah, Joe goes to the fortune teller first, and Charlie goes to the um, the fighting machine first, and then you switch. And then so I, at playing Joe, only see Joe's side of the story. And that's where things started to get really interesting because like you mentioned it's like a it's a haunting kind of a story right it's more of a ghost story it's about a ghost ship mm -hmm. as opposed to like a slasher type thing like until dawn was so they really play with that and it really shines in the co-op because as we were playing through i only had one view of things so like my character was seeing like little dead kids running around and josh's character wasn't so the two of us would be in the same hallway and a little dead kid would run across in front of us. I would scream and Josh would be like, what? What's going on? And it really <laughs> mirrored what was going on in the in the actual game with the two characters that you were playing. So I thought that was a really, really cool experience, given that, you know, until dawn, you you got to see everything and you had a whole lot of information. Yeah. Whereas like Josh and I were trying to explain things to each other and being like, wait, what are you seeing? Well, what are you seeing? What the hell's going on? Where are you right now? So it was very much like a, a in the instance you described, which was a little bit later on in the game where there's um, two groups and then two people in those groups. Basically, Josh and I would play a group together and each be in control of one of the two people. Mm -hmm. And our game was happening like simultaneously. So when those two people would get split up, he would be playing through a section of story and I would be playing through a section of story and then we would meet back up again. So neat. it was this like, yeah, it was really neat. So like you mentioned, um, I think before the show, a specific like hallway sequence. Yes. Yeah. And so in that hallway sequence, you got to see both sides and you played them back to back. Whereas Josh and I played those, that hallway sequence simultaneously. Oh, that I got, see, here's the thing. I remember you announced you were going to play the, the game and I thought, oh, I, I should watch this. But now I'm thinking, I'm glad I, I didn't find the time to do it because now I'm thinking I got to watch this now that I've played that sequence to see what it's like. Cause I mean, 
I I remember playing through that, and now I'm thinking what it was like, and and thinking, oh man, could you imagine playing it simultaneously, where where shit is happening to each to each character in that that is freaky and creepy, and knowing how you uh, your fear would feed off of Josh's reactions, yeah. and so on and so forth. So I I really feel I feel like Man and Medan, what they've done with this co-op is they've developed. Uh, they've taken something that worked really well in a game that was poorly received, which was which was uh, uh, Dead Space Three. It had co-op where it kind of dealt with the the psychological as well, where specific scenarios were set up where one co-op player was seeing crazy stuff and the other co-op player was seeing just a normal room because Dead Space dealed a lot with psychosis and stuff. So. Yeah. I think the fact that it's taken this long, because Dead Space 3 was like a late 360 game, the fact that it's taken almost a generation for them to try this out again, and I'm sure there are examples, but this is mainstream here that we're talking about, I, I think it's really cool. And it's a great, you know, streaming age type game. I think Dead, uh, Dead Space 3 would have done a whole lot better if it came out today in this in this age of, you know, streaming and co-op and all that fun stuff. So it's really cool that they were able to to set up specific scenarios like that for co-op that's usually that's usually like stapled on at the end let's put a streaming mode in but the i think they designed it from that standpoint to make it sort of enjoyable in this streaming age yeah it did seem to work fairly seamlessly i will say there were a couple of times where like because i'm a giant scaredy cat so sure. sometimes it would take me longer to work through my section than it would josh to work through his and the way that they kind of reconcile that is that sometimes, which also would be how it would work in real life, is sometimes my sections would just get cut short mm -hmm. because it would be like, you know, Josh's character would come like barreling through a door or something and interrupt whatever it was that I was doing. So I wouldn't have a chance to like fully explore a room or something because Josh's character interrupted me essentially. Oh, okay. So, I mean, it was, it was kind of interesting from that standpoint. And that's why I say, cause um, we're talking about the cost of the game and how, you know, it seemed like, a, an expensive cost, even though it is uh, cheaper than a, and the full AAA title, it's cheaper than Until Dawn was. I think it still is around the forty to forty-five dollar range, which seems like a lot for a three-hour experience, which is what I got. But at the same time, it's going to be different each time you play through, assuming you don't just memorize and choose all the same options, but. It's going to be different each time through. I've only seen, like I said, half the game. So if I now go through with another co-op partner and choose Charlie at the start instead of Joe, I'll essentially see the other half of the game and I'll control the other half of the characters. Or I could go through and play it through as a single player, mm -hmm. at which point I'm probably going to get closer to like a six hour experience. So it does have a lot of replayability from that standpoint because it's almost like three different games in one and it's it's interesting because it's like now that you know what the end game is like now that you know the secret you've completed the story you know what's actually going on do you want to keep playing the game again and it's really interesting because i had this same sort of feeling with um detroit become human mm -hmm. is it's like okay now i've seen how the whole story plays out and at the time, I was like, I want to go back and see, like, some of the content that I missed. I want to make different decisions and, and work my way through the webs. But I never actually did. And so 
Josh and I played through this um, almost two weeks ago now. I guess it was about a week and a half ago at this point. And I haven't made the time to play the other half of the story or to try it in single player. And I'm kind of wondering if part of that is because I already know the story. So maybe it isn't as replayable as I think it is, or mm -hmm. at least it's not um, right now. It isn't like, it doesn't like have its hooks in me sort of thing. Like I, th I feel, here's the thing. I feel like it, you know, we were talking pre-show about sort of streaming and, and uh, extra life and stuff and, and Halloween for that matter. I wonder if you gave it enough time off, say six weeks and then planned another co-op stream with it where you chose a different character and chose a different streaming partner. And if that would be something that would present you a new a new experience in the game and, mm -hmm. and, and expand on the value. And I was just, I was looking it up. It's $40 actually. It's actually cheaper oh, it's than 40, I thought. Okay. <laughs> and I think I picked it up on sale. Uh, I got a pre-order deal for Xbox. So I picked it up on, on the Xbox One. And... Yeah, it's uh, for 40 bucks, you know, for some reason, that $5 difference, I feel like $40 is you're you're paying you're paying a premium for I think the length of the game you're getting. But if you can find the fun, and I really feel there and I haven't got to the ending. So I don't know if the ending ruins like a second playthrough. Um, but I've noticed one thing about this one is that it unlike the telltale games where they kind of just remind you that something may or may not have happened in this they remind you but they have sheets to track it all so like traits bearings was another one that i thought was really interesting because bearings mm -hmm. basically told you if you affected the story so for example one of the one of the levels um i decided to talk to uh, my girlfriend instead of picking up another tool on the bench which didn't seem oh, like I a did choice that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then i don't know like there it didn't seem like there were consequences it might have been like sort of the intro to the bearing system but essentially down the road in that same chapter because i didn't bring the other tool i had to use the knife to pry open a door and that broke the knife and i thought great if i have to defend myself i'm screwed um, but I think it was just kind of a, a lesson learned or maybe just a way to kind of show you the bearing system in the sense that maybe the knife comes into play d even further down the road. I have no idea, mm -hmm. but, um, that's the type of stuff that I found really interesting as I got further into the game where, oh, um, a, a bearing actually updated just by a character walking through a room and the bearing was Alex didn't pick anything up in the kitchen. And I'm thinking, well, great. I, I wish Alex had found something in the kitchen because we're screwed now. You know, yeah. like, it was literally like Alex didn't find anything in the kitchen to defend himself. It's like, probably makes sense. We have been dealing with some weird stuff. I should have found something to maybe swat at people. But uh, although I, you know, I was fine going through it, but I really dug those bearing updates because it really gave you a sense of your choices. Even, even if it's a, an appearance of choice, it still gave you that really good appearance and it, and i really liked it and it, it's not an appearance it actually affects your story and and your progress that's actually really funny because in when we were playing through on the co-op stream mm -hmm. there was so like you would go back and talk to the curator yes but i never had any kind of like bearing like screen or like i never i never looked at it i never checked it i guess like it oh, okay. never i was never prompted it never popped up or anything and maybe that's because like you're playing co-op so they they want it to be as like smooth of an experience as possible maybe i don't know but i didn't even know that that was a thing that you could check <laughs> yeah no it kept popping up for me and it was just like a button prompt and it it was like a screen of maybe eight or nine or ten uh, of these skulls with 
sort of moving parts inside them to kind of show like film reels a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It, it was really neat. And there was the bearings, there was the traits, which are your characters, and then there's relationships um, between each of the characters. Now, I haven't seen, you know, my relations have, have I, I feel like this is the type of game so far where you're not making difficult choices that bear on relationship you're more making oh i'm gonna make a choice that's gonna drive this character away like for example early on there's these two characters one played by sean ashmore who i love uh Mm -hmm. he uh i won't say why but he wasn't in it for my game very long he kind of he he yeah he wasn't in mine very long either (laughs) and i don't know i don't know if i want to say but i'm curious to hear like if if yours was it was yours a good or a bad well that's all i'll say because mine was a good Oh, mine was bad. <laughs> okay, we can talk offline about it, but yeah. uh, it is the first chapter. But yeah, he he was oh, he's away, and but he was kind of like this. You know, he hits on anything that moves, and the the only two uh, people he the only two people of the opposite sex was your sister and the boat captain. So he was all over the boat captain, and uh, <laughs> she wasn't having it. But like you could lean in on that and probably make that boat captain hate that other character, and then see how that plays out because I think. Two weeks ago on the show, you were describing the game as your choices are are shaping a story as opposed to you experiencing like a story as a player, if that makes sense. Like you're working with the collector to to draft this this story. And I thought that works really well in the sense like, no, let's do a playthrough where, you know, um, Sean Ashmore's character is just a complete and utter ass to everybody and see what that gets them i'm guessing it doesn't end well but you know i think that's really interesting for playthroughs to kind of like throw characters in specific directions on purpose mm-hmm. but i mean well and the other interesting thing sorry to, no, to cut fine. off your thought a little bit there but um the other interesting thing is you're talking about you know making a character do all of the the jerk things in one playthrough when you're playing co-op you're not always in charge of the same person. Sure. So that was also super interesting because like Josh would play the younger brother and I would play the older brother. And then a couple of scenes later that would swap. And then I would play the younger brother and Josh would play the older brother. And then it was like whatever Josh had chosen and whatever kind of path he had sent that character down, then I had to pick that character up and then I had the choice of either continuing down that path or trying to swing him in the other direction, which I thought was really, really interesting. So like Josh could play the Sean Ashmore character like a total jerk and then I could pick him up and make him like a soft hearted romantic in, you know, the the next scene sort of thing. So I kind of liked how they did that, how they didn't just say like, okay, player one is going to play like the ship captain, the older brother and um the i don't even know i can't remember but anyways do you know what i mean and then like the other person would play like the younger brother and the girlfriend and you know one other character so all the characters were player all the player controlled characters were player controlled they weren't like ai right 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 so so yeah you were um and like i say you were kind of swapping players around all the time too so you weren't always in charge of the same characters so Mm -hmm. you did get a chance to play as everybody at some point in the story okay cool so that was really interesting to me because then it really felt like not only were josh and i impacting the story but josh and i were also impacting each other's stories as well so it like i say i think it does have a lot of replayability Mm mm-hmm and I think that there there's a lot of game there for $40. But because it is so story-driven, 
I feel like it might be the kind of thing where you have to step away from a little while and then come back to it again. I would like to play it through at least one more time Mm -hmm. in a co-op setting so I can see the other side of the story and also try to not have such a disastrous outcome. (laughs) So that's okay. So a couple questions and and then we can, we can move forward. But um, what did we feel about the scares? So I'm not too far in, but the scares are starting to come, you know, a, a little bit quicker and the game starts off, you know, very mild, but it starts to pick up. And I'm, I'm at the point where, where stuff started to happen, like really freaky. Yeah, stuff. it it starts to get quite intense and there are quite a few jump scares. Mm-hmm. And I feel <laughs> yes, like, there are. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot even and the jump scares, the things that I really enjoy about Man of Medan. And I also kind of liked about Until Dawn as well, is that. Yes, there are jump scares, but they don't necessarily happen with the timing or pacing that you think that they would. Mm -hmm. So it's like, for instance, I knew that if I went and opened this creepy box, that there was probably going to be something that would jump out at me. But then it was like I would open the creepy box and it was like it would wait a beat and then jump. So it wasn't like this one smooth motion. So it's like they give you that half a second of thinking like, oh, okay, everything's going to be fine. Oh, my God. No, it's not. It's not fine. (laughs) So it's like they lull you into that false sense of security. So you get the, like, musical and atmospheric buildup as if you're about to get jump scared. And then there's a beat of, like, almost, like, silence of, like, oh, no, nothing's actually going to happen. And then something crazy happens. Mm -hmm. But they don't even always follow that formula because sometimes you'll do something and something will just jump scare you. So it's like they just keep you constantly on edge, Yeah, which means that overall I found the story to be quite frightening, but not necessarily like scary, I guess. But there were definitely like I had full on like pushed away from the keyboard and shriek moments in this game. Like I felt really bad for the stream because I mean, I literally screamed into my microphone. Well, like, it's a horror game. They knew what they were yeah. signing up for. I, <laughs> exactly. The, the game, so with the scares and stuff, I felt like, unlike Until Dawn, this one had less runaway sort of button mash button prompts. There were a couple like sort of button prompts, but I failed a couple and I felt like it didn't really punish me. Um, and, and maybe you got punished. I don't know. And, I definitely got punished. And that 100%. leads me to my, my next question. But uh, yeah, I felt like there was less runaway insta fails as there were in Until Dawn. Like so far, I haven't had any characters die, but I'm guessing you've had a couple. And I, I don't did, think it's a yeah. spoiler for, to tell us, you know, you don't need to tell me who, but how many characters made it alive in your and Josh's playthrough? Uh, well, I ended up killing two characters, True. so uh, I don't want to say how many survived because I don't want to spoil anything. True, but, I suppose um, that would be a spoiler. So yeah, two of them so died. I had two characters die both while I was controlling them. <laughs> okay, interesting. And were those button prompts, judging by your previous response? Um, one of them was a button prompt and one of them was a conversation choice. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. So did you just piss <laughs> off the wrong ghost or something? <laughs> I don't want to say too much because I don't want you to know which conversation it is that ends. Well, and there's probably more than one conversation oh, yeah. that that ends in a possible death. But okay, interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm still yeah. Uh, I'm still working my way through it. I have a feeling by next week I'll have finished it so we can do like a short sort of spoiler cast because again we're not. There are some. There the are story. some. Yeah, there are some moments that I I would like to to chat to you about. So sure. yeah, that would probably be a good idea to tack on to the end of next week's show is just a, a really quick like favorite moments um 
standout deaths, that kind of stuff. Um, well, so, yeah, I talk guys- about the overall story because I feel like the story yeah. they've crafted here in the setting. I mean, on this is all I'll say, and it's not really a spoiler, but it's more of a setting thing. I did not think after Ghost Ship you could make another one of those and have me like it. And I think that goes back to Until Dawn in the sense that I'm not a big horror fan, but Until Dawn remains one of my favorite horror movies I've ever watched. Long ass mm-hmm. film, but very good. Yep. <laughs> uh, so this one is is right up there with with the uh, with Until Dawn, and I think Supermassive did, has done an amazing job crafting these stories. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to the next iteration. And so all of these stories in what they're calling the anthology don't have anything to do with each other. Oh, they yeah. just they just are interesting, creepy horror stories. And so there is actually a trailer for the next one after the credits, or I guess hidden in the credits. Oh, really? I don't know. But anyways, yeah. The So the next one's coming out uh, in 2020. So. And what's it called? Do you know? Oh, uh, like something tower or something? No, it's like a uh, little hope or something. It's the name of a town, anyways. Oh, cool. Do you think maybe the collector will be sort of the 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 glue piecing it together, like sort of? Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, because yeah. he basically like so he he his office is like a library and he's just pulling books off the shelf and then you're going through and playing the story and holding the fates of these characters in your hands. He so. reminds me of. The weird goop guy from Terminator 2. Is it Robert Patrick, that actor? But it's not him. It's like a weird Eastern European version of Robert Patrick. And he's creepy, man. Like, he's... But he's not a bad guy? It's weird. Whereas in Until Dawn, the, the narrator the the narrator guy, Peter Stormare, he was kind of evil, but creepy. Mm. This guy, the collector, he feels like he's just creepy, but he's not evil. He's just sort of there guiding you. And he's the, the curator. Yeah, well. It, <laughs> not well, the. Oh, not yeah, the yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Did I, I, yeah, the curator. Sorry. It, it, there was no Benicio Del Toro in this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so if you guys uh, are curious about our spoilery thoughts of Man of Medan, then uh, do you hang around for the end of next episode so yes. 387 uh we will we will have a short little spoiler conversation at the end of that one but ryan man of Medan is not the only thing you've been playing this week you've actually also picked up borderlands 3 i did yesterday i had time to play some games multiplayer so my uh it's my old roommates and i you may be familiar with one one of the mats both the mats really uh, so we had a bit of a reunion of sorts, uh, joined by by Adam as well, and we played some some four player co op, Borderlands three, and funny enough, like Borderlands one was a game we all picked up when we were in university. We had all purchased PlayStation threes with money that should have gone to textbooks, but my mom doesn't <laughs> listen to this, so we're fine. Uh, and and I survived, <laughs> graduated, um, and played a lot of Borderlands. So we played a lot of Borderlands co-op, and then Borderlands 2 came out. We had had jobs at that point, so we played a little less. But then Borderlands 3 comes out. I wasn't planning on picking it up, and then they were talking about it. I was like, well, I guess I, I should pick it up to kind of join in the fun. And it very much feels like Borderlands. Like, they took, they took Borderlands 2, and they did exactly what they needed to to bring it up to 2019, but they didn't change it in a way that made that made you think like, oh man, this doesn't feel like Borderlands, you know. So it's a nice balance in my mind, and I know there are a lot of reviews out there that are talking about Borderlands 3 as like this game that's just, it's a lot more of the same, and we wish it was this, that, or that. And honestly, it scratches exactly the itch that I was hoping for because it's Borderlands, 
and they have cooperative loot now. And and you can change all those settings. So in the original games, it was you got drops. It was like old WoW. So I guess it was like old WoW Classic. And that when things <laughs> dropped, uh, it was not a need read system. It was just there, and you had to like sort of parse it out. But with and same thing with Borderlands One and Two. But Three now has, and you can choose at the beginning of the game whether you want to set up your your game as a cooperative game or a competitive game. Whereas cooperative, everybody has their own loot tables, and uh, combative or uh, competitive is is uh, shared loot. So you have to kind of be nice, I guess, or or run for the run for the kill type thing. And I'm very early on, but it looks great. It looks like Borderlands. It's supposedly expanded in the sense that there are multiple planets you can visit, so they've got new locales and stuff. Um, but I'm playing on PC. It is an Epic Game Store exclusive, uh, so keep that in mind if you're if you're against that sort of thing. But honestly, it I don't I don't notice a difference. You know, the hardest part was figuring out which emails to send to each other. But since we're all friends, we all knew each other's emails, so we knew. We knew who to add as friends on the in the game, and I, uh, other than that, it was pretty seamless. And I mean, so now once you once you've added friends in the game, now you're like everything's done within the Borderlands Three interface. Like you don't yeah. have to worry about it. F- yeah. So I guess sure. the the one the one drawback would be like every game you play in the Epic Store, you have to have a separate friends list for. You you need a, well no you have an you have an Epic Game Store friends list right and it pulls. Oh from okay. That list. Sorry. Okay. But no, I couldn't like, remember. The only thing I've ever played co-op on there is um, Fortnite. So right, and I couldn't remember if I had a Fortnite friends list or an Epic friends list. So you have an yeah. Epic friends list, so everything's yes. fine. <laughs> and and honestly, I remember playing Borderlands two and and even Borderlands one, and that was back in the day when you had to use the Steam interface or the PlayStation interface to invite everyone. But what I, I was an hour late. Everybody else has already started playing, so essentially they had played in their own game for maybe an hour, and then I jumped in and I said, "Oh, I'm just starting out," and and they said, "Like, oh, well, we'll jump into your game." So I just started my game up, and all of a sudden I got through the prologue, and I had three people in my game, and we started making our way through. It was seamless; like, it worked really, really well, and I I think that's really that's my main my main argument against having a new platform is having to you know piece together your friends list again but really if you want to play with friends it's in in my mind that's my barrier i know a lot of other people have barriers but other ones but that it worked fine and the game's a lot of fun it's very much borderlands like again like if you didn't like borderlands or like the humor of borderlands this does not do anything to to kind of spice spice it up or make it any different like it feels very much like the borderlands humor but i like the borderlands humor there's some really good stuff in there if you hate Claptrap, I'm sorry. He's literally thrust into <laughs> your face at the very beginning of the game. I don't think he's going away, people. We have to just accept that. I like him. <laughs> I, I, I do. I don't mind him, honestly. Like, I think he grew on me, and I think we got peak Claptrap when he was like a playable character in the pre-sequel. So <laughs> I'm cool with him. We just have to accept the fact that he's a character that Gearbox just kind of nailed. So he's not going anywhere. Uh, and he's pretty reserved in this one. He's not as bad, but but there are, there's a really good mission early on where uh, he's he's looking for a bunch of stuff, and one of those is like a tinfoil hat essentially, and you find it on a bandit. And all the bandits are like really crazy, but this guy's got a tinfoil hat, and he he's actually quite sane. He's talking normally, and he's like, "I wear this hat to block all the voices in my head." And like, oh wow, you're you're very uh, you're very sensible about this. As soon as you take his hat off, he he goes crazy. And he turns. <laughs> So I thought that was kind of, it's stuff like that, that type of humor. Um, 
and I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm not very far in. Uh, it's it's a it's a good game so far, and we're having a lot of fun playing co-op. It works really well. So I'm I've I've got no qualms there, and we just jump in Discord like any other game, and it, we have a great time just shooting up and grabbing loot, and we'll see how long it lasts. Like honestly, it's very hard to stick with these types of games because there's so much content in it. But uh, all the new classes are interesting. I'm playing as a mech lady because no one shows the mech lady, so I figured I'd round out our team. So <laughs> it, it worked out quite well. So uh, essentially, my special is I jump into a giant mech, sort of D- I guess diva style, very similar to diva. And there's um, there's like a beastmaster. Adam's playing as beastmaster. As soon as I joined, they joined my game. They started talking about how annoying Adam is more than, <laughs> more than usual as the beastmaster. And Adam, I love you. I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, his beast is really annoying. And then I think there was um, there's some sort of invisible guy. I, I don't know. After that, it sort of fades away. Like there's the beast master, and then there's like oh, there's the 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 siren person. So sort of the m- magic lady, and she sort of like moves things around with with her force push and stuff. And then I'm the the robot guy. And there's one other class. I'm sorry, I, I I wasn't really paying attention. We, we played for maybe a couple hours, uh, but yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. And I think it's interesting. It's kind of a packed September, and that's kind of why I wasn't really gonna pick this one up. But I'm I'm glad I did. We've been having fun. We're actually gonna play right after this. So yeah. awesome. Uh, if you guys are interested in supporting the show, if you like what we do, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in. That's gonna bring us to our topic of the week this week. We are talking about Nintendo's newest announcement, which is basically, I guess, like Wii Fit on steroids. It's called <laughs> Ring Con and Ring Fit Adventure. So mm-hmm. Ring Con is their new tech that yeah. is used to control your character within Ring Fit Adventure. And it works alongside the Joy-Cons, but you don't actually push buttons. You've got this like... um rubber ring i guess that with handles on either side the joy con gets slotted in at the top and then it measures your movements and also um i guess your uh force that you apply inwards with the handles so like it's kind of hard to describe it looks you have to see it you yeah. kind of have to see it. Yeah, I'm too trying to, to find the words. You're doing to a good job. Thing, but <laughs> I think really like the way you've described it, even it's hard to explain to me. It's you, you see the so in the video, you see a woman holding it and uh, she's making different movements with it with her legs. And the leg me- movements are measured by the the joy, the joy con leg strap yeah there's like a leg strap yeah Yeah. that you put around like think about like if you're a runner and you put like a strap around your bicep to like hold your iphone or something that's basically what it is except it goes on your leg and holds a joy con (laughs) so essentially if you put on one of those armbands wrong when you went running and put it on your leg instead put it on your leg yeah yeah i mean i've never (laughs) done that i'm not speaking from experience i'm just saying if someone were to have done that uh but yeah with the leg con or the leg grip or whatever the hell they call it you when you move your legs that measures your 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 movement of your your lower body and then the ring the ring con uh, the way you move that around based on the descriptions in in game that controls the upper part of your body and the weirdest thing to me is watching someone squeeze a hundred dollar piece of plastic and and kind of like see the tension of that band and you keep thinking like okay, I've got a $40 controller strapped into this thing. I've got a $40 piece of plastic in my hands. 
I'm just, something's going to break. Like, I just worry that I'm just going to, I mean, I obviously haven't had these things in my hands, but that's the first thing that comes to mind is like, how, how is the tension working on this thing? I, I know Nintendo makes good tech, but I really, I kind of want to, I kind of want to well, get this thing it, in my they hand, made but. It. Yeah, they made it sound like the the ring itself has its own set of electronics. So it's yeah. not only a like you do have to have the ring. You can't only have the Joy-Con and just kind of move it around. Like you do need to have the ring because it does have uh, sensors in it as well. So that I thought was kind of interesting. But this it, like it really and truly does look a little bit crazy. And the game itself, Ring Fit Adventure. It's, it's, I don't know. It's so odd. It looks like Fortnite. It does. That was yeah. the first thing that I noticed when they started showing like in game, just the aesthetics. I was like, this literally looks like Fortnite. And you, it almost looks like a, it reminded me of, uh, oh, what was that game? It was a mobile game. Temple Run, maybe. Yeah, I can feel that. Like Temple Run is a good one where to describe. It's basically it's like it's like a course that's yeah. kind of on rails, but you are in charge of your character movement, and so like your speed is measured by like how quickly you're walking. Mm -hmm. Like so, you you walk in place to make your character go forward, and that's measured by the the leg thing. And then you use the ring to like jump or um, interact with like shoot basically shoot things and there's yes. like coins there's coins on the track too but it does feel really like you are on rails because any turns or anything it's not your character turning it's like the world turning around you basically so that's yeah. why it reminds me of temple run it definitely I think, I, that's, I think that's what it was called it definitely called temple run and now that now that you described it and kind of paired it together like okay that makes a lot of sense uh but my favorite part was when they go into combat and essentially mm. combat is turn-based, but you choose moves and those moves are exercises. And, yeah. And the exercises are based on... So each each monster has a specific weakness. So, oh, this monster... This monster's weakness is yoga. Turns out that's also my weakness. Uh, and then... <laughs> <laughs> so then you do a yoga move and that does bonus uh, damage to the monster and so on. And there's like other ones, there's like core moves and leg moves and sort of upper body moves and stuff like that. So it's kind of interesting. Like, again, as someone who's always looking for new and unique ways to spend money on exercise equipment and then leave it in a box, this seems <laughs> like a really cool idea to at least get it out of the box and try it. Like it looks, I'm cautiously optimistic about it. It looks kind of neat. And the gamification of the exercise is far beyond what Nintendo has done in the past. I mean, Wii Fit had some of this, but it always felt... So it was the difference between the way the Wii did it and the way the Kinect did it on the Xbox. And then the Xbox Kinect was a full-body camera. So you couldn't fake that. You had to move yeah. every part of your body. But the Wii, like, I was kicking butt and just dance because all I was doing was just dancing with my arm and the rest of my body would sit there. I'd have my cup of tea and I'd just be like... <laughs> kicking people's butts all day long in just dance so but in this it feels like you really have to put your full body and attention to to doing the moves uh and it and i think the real kicker is that the boss you're trying to take out what was a bodybuilding dragon yeah 
Yeah, that's like the big, the big evil, the Bowser, if you will, of <laughs> Ring Fit Adventure is a bodybuilding dragon. I was just like, wow, Nintendo. So okay. what's evil about him? That he bodybuilds? I don't know. Or that he's a dragon? Because I think like both of those people would be offended by this. I mean, bodybuilders are a real thing and, and dragons. I mean, we have not seen one in years, but I think like really we just, no, I'm just kidding. Um, it, it's it's weird. Like a, it's a very weird game. It's a very weird setup. And I'm glad Nintendo is doing stuff like this because I feel like no other company is even approaching this level of ab- absurdity. Like, yeah. Well, and I mean, I did. I will say I had the Wii Fit. I had the mm-hmm. board and everything else. And I actually, I used it more... Like, I wouldn't say quite often, but I would definitely use it for yoga specifically because it actually was pretty easy to um, or like it was it was pretty sensitive. Mm-hmm. So it was really easy to tell when you were doing something wrong. And it really helped me to learn yoga. I don't do it anymore, but I probably should get back into it. And as absurd as this kind of seems like i think that this is probably the way as someone who absolutely detests exercise of any kind like i was always a sport person like a team sport person like soccer volleyball like all that i was never like an individual sport person i was never a runner none of that kind of stuff so i feel like this might actually be a way for me as a busy adult with a ridiculous schedule this might be the the thing if the game is fun enough i think because what they're aiming for is is the game to be so fun that you don't realize you're exercising with the we fit i definitely knew i was exercising but this might just be a, a fun silly game for me to play that has the byproduct of also being exercise yeah, and so it's out October eighteenth, and I've, I've got a PR email. It says a hundred dollars. I don't know whether that's a hundred US or a hundred Canadian, but I'm gonna guess that's that's Canadian. So maybe like maybe just a standard like deluxe price American, so eighty bucks. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about it. I feel I feel we're past the days where everyone's like, oh, Nintendo and their crazy stuff, and then they write it off. Uh, I think the cardboard toys were the were the thing where we we did that and we learned. I mean, Nintendo also learned that it's that all the crazy ideas don't work. But this is one of those ones where I agree. We Fit was one of those games that when you played it for exercise and you stuck with it, it worked. There's a reason they reintroduced it on the Wii U and basically brought it into that platform as well. So it worked for Nintendo and it makes sense for them to try it again. But I'm also glad they're not just being like, "Hey, dust off your Wii, you know, Fit." Uh, scale and let's do this like this is actually providing a new experience with the joy cons and i never picked up the one two switch so i feel like this game would be one of the first experiences that uniquely uses the joy cons in in a way that's different from natural play right i forgot that one two switch was even a thing (laughs) yeah it was one of those first titles that i think a lot of people wrote off i mean breath of the wild came out the same day so (laughs) Yeah, I think that 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 was just kind of a a game to show what the actual platform could do. I don't Mm. think that it was ever really, I don't think it ever caught on as a phenomenon because you're right. Yeah, Breath of the Wild did come out at the same time. So, but uh, yeah, so I think I'll I'll probably like tentatively going to give this a shot. I don't know. It's also coming into the time 
of the year in Canada where it's getting very gross and cold outside. Oh, perfect so, timing for us. Yeah, really. it is perfect timing. Yeah, for us to kind of maybe start thinking about doing some indoor fitness things. So yeah. I need I, I'm, I'm on the fence. I'll have to I'll have to talk it over with the hubby and see what he thinks. But it could be it could be cool. I think I think one of the two of us should get it anyways, just to just to try it out. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. I, I'd need to find a room with a high enough ceiling. It feels like there's a mm-hmm. lot of like throwing the thing up in the air with your arms and you could easily like break some fingers off the ceiling. But um, <laughs> I think, yeah, cause I've definitely, <laughs> definitely playing some VR games, punch the, punch the ceiling, um, yeah. which we did not do at your place. So it would probably work well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, it's weird when they first announced it, I was like, what is this? And then you watch the announcement video, which is seven minutes long and 30 seconds in, you've got like Michael Fassbender look like, serial killer guy like yelling at you very excitedly about this this uh this ring con and the lady that's with him is not helping either like no the choice of presenters in this case was very interesting i feel like the presenters like put me off of the idea before i'd actually even seen what the idea was you know what it reminds me of body break but they're trying to kill you yes (laughs) murderous body break so canadians out there will will laugh i'm pretty sure that's a canadian thing all yeah, Americans, listeners. though, you should totally go and Google <laughs> uh, or YouTube Body Break because it used to be commercials that would come on all the time in Canada. Yes. Yeah. And they it was roll just, those uh, characters out now for other commercials, right? Have you seen them yeah. kind of pop up in the movie theaters? Hi, I'm so-and-so from Body Break, and we're here to talk about... It's Hal Johnson and Joanne McLeod. Thank you, I yes. I not remember. <laughs> well, Hal, yeah, that, those, now that I know, it's all coming flooding back. Body Break. <laughs> that sort of thing but now they talk about like uh milk products and orange juice so body break has has hit in some some tough times i think i oh my god yes they're definitely definitely <laughs> are you googling it <laughs> i am googling it right now there are body break videos on youtube i think and, they pretty much do like yeah. cineplex program now which is like the in theater sort of <laughs> entertainment and they come on after that guy who talks about tech it um i wouldn't say it's like bottom of the barrel but i don't know like next is gas stations and then it's all it's all downhill from there i suppose yeah apparently there were body break commercials on it was a canadian government program from the uh, 1970s through the 1990s yep 1970s action yeah apparently was it all hal johnson and Catherine? whatever her name is joanne mcleod i don't worry (laughs) joanne mcleod joanne mcleod from the mcleod family and Hal Johnson. Oh God, this is so funny. <laughs> it isn't. Yeah, it is really much so. I, I uh, they, you know what they should have done? Nintendo PR should have been all over this. They should have got the body break people to do this. Yep, they definitely should have. Okay, back to the drawing board. I mean, even like even the Canadian, you know, Nintendo of Canada. What are you doing? They better before October eighteenth. I will write in. I'll write in and I'll say get Hal Johnson and Joanne McLeod all over this ring fit stuff because if i don't see a video a body break sponsored video of ring fit adventure not gonna get it i need the body (laughs) break seal of approval on this bad boy 
Oh my god. So <laughs> if any Americans are still here and are still listening, no, you not. can <laughs> you can join our Discord over at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can also email the show at info at gamersandpodcast.com if you'd like to tell us how absurd you find early late eighties, early nineties. <laughs> Canadian television PSAs to be. <laughs> you can also visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of all our episodes are streamed on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash The Gamers In and are available after the fact over on Twitch. Thanks for staying at The Gamers In. And remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. should totally throw just a random body break video into the discord before i even post like a, and then a day later i'll post this and then people will be like okay now i understand what you're doing okay i'm gonna i'm Do gonna it. find one <laughs>